0: Hey, everybody. We're live here on Facebook. Tom Ferry here sharing with you uh, David Childers from Keeping Current Matters and an all-star panel of rock star agents. Uh, one from Richmond, Virginia, one from Silicon Valley right here in California, or actually as I say that I'm in Texas, and also another one from the great state of Washington in Seattle. So as we jump into today's conversation, if you're just getting with us live or you're watching this you know, sometime in the future, we're going to talk about the three pressing issues right now and then i've got some opening statements i want to make to really make sure that your mindset is right and your disciplines are right for what we need to do to make sure we win not only for the next 43 days but all of 2021. so let's talk about what's pressing right now and the things we'll be discussing today there is a tremendous amount of headlines and fear mongering around foreclosures. You can go right now on YouTube and you can search foreclosures in 2020 and you can see people that are getting up and saying, it's just like 2007, eight, nine, the world's falling apart, here's the data. But I'm not sure what data they're looking at because we're gonna show you some data today that is gonna calm some of that, get you to think of this, as the old line goes, re- reminding ourselves that headlines do more to terrify than to clarify. This isn't about getting clicks and and about, you know, this clickbait phenomenon that anybody could play into. Let's get the real data, the real facts around foreclosures. We're gonna show you the numbers so you can go out and do what you do best, which is be the knowledge broker, be the educator, be the one that sits down with people and says, I know you're hearing that. When you hear that, tell me, what are you reading? What headlines? What articles, show me the data and let me show you the data that we're seeing in terms of the mortgage market, forbearance and everything else. So we're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about affordability. I've been in a lot of dialogue over the last several weeks with the Ivy Zellmans of the world, David Childers, my co-host about what's gonna happen, right? Just looking at the 10 year treasury, what's gonna happen with mortgage rates. Many people are saying we could be in the twos all the way through 2021. We're gonna show you some different data today. Some people are even arguing that by the end of 2022, we could be back to the fours. That's a little far out for us to really predict, but we want to make sure that you understand so you can best inform your clients. And then the last one is we're going to do some general market updates, like what's going on with housing on a national level, because as always, what do you want to do? You don't want to just say, hey, here's what's going on in Newport Beach, California, or here's what's happening in Plano, Texas. You want to say, here's what's happening in Plano, and here's what's happening across the country. That type of language makes you the knowledge broker, the one that people trust. So speaking of people that we trust, why don't we bring in our all-star panel? I got Tristan over here. So Tristan, go ahead and get us uh, all on the show. So David Childers, our co-host, the king of keeping current matters. Good morning, David. How are you?
1: Good morning. We are good. Uh, Excited to be and excited to talk about a lot of the topics here of what's happening in the market right now. So a lot going
0: on. So excited to hop in on this. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I've got two rock star, uh, two rock star female agents, one from Richmond, Virginia, one from Seattle. See me. it looks like you're muted. So you may want to fix that real quick. So uh, Alicia, tell the audience who you are. Give them a little update on you and your business.
2: Great. Uh, Alicia Soikawa with uh, I have a team at Long & Foster Realtors and I am a residential real estate agent here. Going, I just finished six years, been a recently newer coach with you and your systems. And I've been um, very excitedly having a very strong year despite all the craziness and i um, interested to hear what David says, peeked at the slides and um, it's, it's it's gonna be not what we think it is, like everything in the world.
0: Yeah, remember headlines do more to terrify than they do to clarify. We're not looking for clickbait, we're looking to educate people so they can make good decisions and help their buyers and sellers. So speaking of, Simi from up in Seattle. So welcome Simi, give him a quick, uh, who is Simi and- and then we'll get into the show.
3: Hi everyone, I am Simi and I'm from the greater Seattle area. One of the highest peaking markets of the US. So it's an exciting time to be in real estate. At the same time, there's so much of nervousness that you have to become an educator and educate your clients. It's a great opportunity to be of service to our clients at this point. It's a great year in spite of all that's happening.
0: I agree. I agree. Yes, and, so <laughs> and I've got my longtime friend, longtime client. We go way, way back. He shared the stage with me many times. Uh, Andy C from Silicon Valley, one of the top agents on the planet. So Andy, welcome to the show.
4: Hey everyone. It's Andy C. How are you guys doing? I'm out in Silicon Valley, Saratoga. Uh, I've been doing real estate 18 years. I'm at Intel Real Estate. I've got a group called the T Group, uh, great team. And, and Tom's right, he's been my coach since day one. 18 years, it's been great.
0: Yeah, and just for context, my friends, Andy sold 41 homes in September, which is not a bad, it's not a bad career for some people, but that was a nice good month for you. And then October looks like it was about the same. So congrats.
4: Thanks.
0: So before we jump in, I wanna make a statement. And I know for everybody out there watching on Facebook, by the way, as you're watching this and you're with us live, uh, if you need a friend or two that maybe needs to get their head right about the market, Tag a couple of your buddies and say, you might want to check this out, right? Maybe tag your entire office because especially, and I'm going to make a statement, David, before we jump into the slides. Here in the US, there's a lot of talk right now about state shutting down again. And you know, what does that mean? And how is that going to impact housing? And I want to give you guys a little insight before I turn it over to David in the slides that as we watched COVID unfold in the very beginning in the US, right? We were on the front line in early March saying to our clients, hey, listen, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know that your house always matters. And things may change as we, as we look at our home. Do I need that office? Do I need a better backyard? Do I need uh, you know, more space in my home? Is it time for me because of remote working to start making moves? We knew these things were coming. So what did we say to all of our clients? And I want to just give you all the reminder, safety first. Safety first and foremost, always and forever. For you, for your family, for your customers, for the people that are near and dear to you. We always need to keep that in our mind, no matter what. But under safety, it's also being rational. It's not getting crazy and wrapped up in the news cycles, but instead focusing on the data, staying calm, and taking care of the people that matter most. The second thing we said to everybody nonstop was you've got to keep the business moving forward. So what does that mean? taking care of your customers, making sure they're informed, making sure that your transactions are closing. It also means, my friends, that you continue to do the marketing and things that we know we need to do to keep the business going. And the third one is load the cannons. And load the cannons was a metaphor, an example of, hey, what we need to be thinking about as we sit here right now with 43 days left between now and the end of the year, if you're not today setting an aggressive listings taken goal for 2021, you're making a big mistake. Now you might say, Tom, I'm on a team and we work with a lot of buyers, I understand. You need to go back to your team leader and say, if we're not making an aggressive goal for the number of listings we can take because we do have a massive challenge in our country, we see the same thing in Canada, we are seeing the same thing throughout Europe, we're seeing the same thing in Australia and New Zealand. Not enough nice homes on the market, and what do we know? If in fact we see the same thing we felt earlier this year in April, if it happens to us again, we know what to do. We know the place to run. So I want to remind you all, my friends, safety first, keep the business moving forward and load the cannon, especially with the data points we're going to cover today. So David, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let's show some slides and let's get right into this conversation about, are we going back into 2009 again?
1: Right, right. I think that's the, you know, it's interesting, Tom, is we get this question of foreclosure crisis and things on youtube different people talking about it you know agents asking questions i have you know brokers calling me saying i've got agents in my office saying when are all the REO properties going to show up you know we're we're waiting on that and you know this is a big question right now so i want i want i want to walk through some data and, and i want to i want to do this in this way and let me position it this way and i'll use an example alicia and i are both here in richmond virginia okay and it, it, we we go through this and let's say that Uh, you know, uh, through economic uncertainty, through downturn, and I lose my job. And and we lose our home, we have to, you know, it's foreclosed on and we go through a tough deal. That's a crisis for me and my family. It may not be a crisis for Alicia and, and, and her family in this case. So I want to start out and maybe define what a crisis is, but do it in the covering of, you know, people are going through a lot of things right now with unemployment, with needs, with, with everything happening across the country. What I want to try to do is give you the facts and then be able to, to, to equip you to use those in a way to, to go out and help people. So if we start to, to, to think about this, where I would start is let's define what a foreclosure crisis is and where we are today. So many of you have seen this slide if you've been following uh, Keeping Current Matters for uh, you know during this time, but this is a look by quarter, going all the way back to 1999 of the uh, foreclosure, um, foreclosure filings in this country and I've highlighted there in the middle in red and I'm going to call that a foreclosure crisis. It's around the you know 2008-2009 time frame you you see the peak there at over 500,000 filings in one quarter and then you see it quarter after quarter after quarter uh, there in the crisis of what we know in the rearview mirror was the housing crisis. Now if you start to look to the right there the if you go all the way back to 1999 the average number of filings in this country is 206,000 foreclosure filings per quarter historically for the last 20 years. Okay so keep that number in the back of your head 206,000 uh foreclosure filings on average per quarter going all the way back to 1999. Where do we stand today? Most recent data in the second quarter 23,900 foreclosure filings uh, in this country, largely due to the drop off to the foreclosure moratorium in place uh, in this country right now. So are foreclosures going to increase? Yes, they are when this moratorium is lifted. And the headline you can expect to see is foreclosures are going to double, foreclosures are going to triple, foreclosures are going to go up however many number of times Well, the reality is where we stand off of current numbers, that number could uh, go up eight and a half times before it even hit the average number for the last 20 years. Now, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen. But I just give you a little context as we start this conversation of where we are, where we've been and what you can expect to be talked about in the media. Tom talked about headlines, do more to terrify than they do to clarify. So expect to see that ramp up as the foreclosure moratorium is lifted. Now that gives you a perspective on what a crisis is. And again, I'm gonna go back to say, if somebody's foreclosures, that's a crisis for their family. Let's recognize that and let's be sensitive to it. But when we started this, this came out of the concerns of forbearance And it's just not playing out the way the prognosticators might have said on the front end was, you know, hey, initial forecast was as many as 30% of mortgages would go into forbearance. And the reality is we peaked at about 8.6%, we're currently at 5.67%. And if you even remember that talk at the time, it was all of these mortgages are going to go into forbearance and every one of them is going to turn into a foreclosure. Now, I, I'm not going into all of that information today. We talked about it last time, but we know a small fraction of these are candidates for foreclosure. It's not a large portion of, of those that go into forbearance. We know a lot of people continue to make their payment. A lot of people, uh, you know, are in some sort of workout with their um, their bank. And so they're just not playing out the way that that people thought on the front end, uh, very similar to, to way the the way people are looking at 2021 right now. Now,
0: if we look if at, we I got to so jump in, some. I got to jump in really quick. So yeah. Andy is, you know, Andy and myself are the two that have been around the business, you know, as you are for a long time. So Andy, when you see these numbers and I, I was just doing some quick formulation. So let's say we've got 138 million homes in the U.S.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know that 42.1% of them have no mortgage. Right. With, let's just call it at, at David's number, right? That 5.67. That looks like about three and a half million people. Yeah, That seems like a really, that's a big number. So Andy, what, what's going through your mind? And then ladies, I'm gonna to come to you also.
4: Well, I, I mean, I think we're all in our own little bubbles in real estate, right? And obviously I'm in the Silicon Valley and half the time we honestly feel guilty because when COVID comes into play, what happens? Everybody's staying in shelter, what do they do? They search for their friends on Facebook, they search the internet on Google, they watch movies on Netflix, right? Um, they buy their, you know, entertainment on their iPhone. And I'm in a place where that's all happening here. And so all we've seen is the stock market go crazy, the Silicon Valley bank stocks all go crazy. And, you know, everybody that works, at those companies have got all these RSU stocks, and that's made our real estate business just go booming and crazy. So I don't want to say that we're out of touch, but that's the our reality. And so I have been watching those same, you know, forbearance numbers. And, and we've been speculating too on the foreclosure stuff. But I don't see it happening just locally for me. I see it maybe in other industries. So, uh, you know, Glenda Baker, our, our good friend out of Atlanta, she was on uh, my team call. She's, she's phenomenal, you know, best agent out of Atlanta. And she was telling me how, see, because she's in the travel industry, right? And she's in more in the entertainment industry. And they're getting hit a lot harder. Her numbers are different than my numbers. And so I think you're going to just see it play out differently across the country.
0: Yep. Alicia, what about in in Richmond, Virginia? What do you What are you seeing when you see all these numbers? What do you think?
2: You know, I... I'm kind of surprised. Um, I think there is a lot of fear of people having this hypothetical in their mind, what if this happens, what if this happens? But again, I'm similar to Andy, I'm a complete different um, environment. We don't have the Silicon Valley environment and and our cost of living is a lot less in Richmond comparatively to your larger cities. What I am seeing is a lot of people moving to Richmond um, the cost of living and the traffic's not bad, and it's easy. And because the um, affordability is so great here, versus like Northern Virginia and DC, and people working from home now, and it kind of is looking like a lot of people are not going to go back. It is now opening people's eyes to like, hey, maybe I can live in Richmond. I like the school systems better. I can get more more house for my money. I can get more space. And I can just commute, like you, I think you did a, po- uh, a video on that. I can just commute to the office once a month or maybe I don't have to go back again. And, and I'm seeing a lot more of that. And um, people also selling in Richmond because they wanna now go be with their families in Florida or wherever, they're, like Texas, wherever is going on. So we're seeing that. Um, we are based, um, I'm, a, I, I'm based in the suburbs of Richmond. I'm not really seeing, I would have thought we would have seen a lot more of a migration from the city out which was surprising that it's not as much as I thought it would be. Definitely it is there, but I think people are kind of, kind of weathering what's going on and people are sticking to that. But again, for us in our community here, we haven't been as hard as some of the larger cities like New York city and things like that. And I'm sure David lives in the area. So I'm sure he can, it almost as if like nothing is going on. I mean, you just see people wearing masks but we're all just doing our thing. So that's-
0: So David, I I wanna come back to you and then Simi, I'm gonna hit you in a minute with a question. David, you look at the next two slides. And I think we should, let's show the next two slides, especially okay. that quote. And I think, I think it goes without saying, we need to go a little deeper on the research. And just like back in 2007, 8, 9, when we had the map of the U.S. and we saw where the foreclosures were, and for my friends, I'm doing this from memory, it was kind of up and down the Mississippi, if I remembered. Right? That was the largest percentage of foreclosures. I'd like to get some updated data. I think that'd be very helpful for all of our viewers.
1: Yeah, for sure. So let's let's go and let's look at these slides real quick and let's talk about that. And Andy made a great point. And what what is making up the predominance of the economy? Glenn is you know mentioned Delta is a huge employer in, in the city of Atlanta and you know, a tough uh, tough business right now, but When we look at the numbers, they are decreasing, those on forbearance, they're decreasing quite dramatically. And I think what we can look at that and say is, one, back in the housing crash, forbearance was not around. Today it is. And it's largely done its job, which was to help those in need survive and and weather the, the storm of the economic crisis brought on by the pandemic. And so I think when we look at this, 2.74 million homes as of the last tracker, uh, inactive forbearance. So when you look at the numbers and where we were, you know, and kind of peeking out, we're seeing those come down, want to see those continue to come down. Now, the question is, a lot of people still going into next year when they come off of that, what's going to happen? But, but what we know in the quote that you referenced there is from uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association that says nearly two thirds of borrowers who exited forbearance remained current. On their payments and repaid their foreborn payments or moved into a payment deferral plan remember we talked about banks don't want these homes back and they're giving them options to you know to move forward and all of these borrowers have been able to resume you know or continue their pre-pandemic monthly payments so um, you know the, the the way the data is coming out is showing that people have, a, have an option uh, you know that they didn't have back in 2008, and, and if you were to ask me, you, you know what is the reason for the top three reasons for that? It would be equity, equity, and equity. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, the the 42.1 percent of homes that don't even have a mortgage in this country. People have used equity since the housing crisis, very, very differently uh, in this case, and it shows up in those that are in active forbearance. If we look at this, the punchline of this slide. Uh, is 91% of the people in active forbearance have at least 11% equity. And so that's a, that's a strong, strong position for people today. Why does that matter? Because it gives them options. They could go out and sell the home. They could go out and do something uh, before it goes into foreclosure. If we take the numbers that we just looked at, 2.75 million mortgages in forbearance, we know that if we reverse these numbers, that would mean that 9% have less than 11% equity. Let's go conservative and let's say that's, that number is 10% and, and, and that gives us 275,000 mortgages. Well, if that were the case and every one of them went into foreclosure, and I'm not saying that, but let's say every one of them did. And we look back historically, last September, we had six uh, one 1.6 million homes on the market this past september 1.2 million if every one of them went into foreclosure it wouldn't even bring inventory levels to where we were last year and we were under supplied then right and so when you do the math on this and you you kind of take out the emotion and the everything that people are thinking it just doesn't play out now i'm not suggesting there aren't going to be issues i'm definitely not saying this is not something we don't need to be talking about in the market because i think To Alicia and Andy's point, a lot of us are in markets where we're insulated from it and we don't see it. And oh, by the way, people aren't going to come knocking on the door saying, I'm in trouble right now. I need help. That's a message we need to get out there and say, hey, look, if you do need that, we want to be a resource for you.
0: Simi, when you hear all this, like Andy, you're somewhat in an isolated marketplace right, in Seattle, but you're working Seattle on the east side you know, when you hear all this, what goes through your mind?
3: I think it is very interesting. You know, when I was listening to David, I was thinking about it and every client of mine has equity in their home right now, even if they bought it like six months back. I've seen so many of my clients refinance because of the interest rates and some of them have actually been able to take out money and use it towards stock because stock is going higher as well. And they're, trying to invest on that side. So I think I am again, you know, in a market which is very, very isolated, um, Microsoft, Amazon. So I have, I'm have i in the tech industry market, but one of the trends that I am seeing is that people are moving out of the greater Seattle area to areas where it's much cheaper, which is not cheaper in terms of the other countries still like, you know, 800 or a million property ranges than from where, they're living right now because they have so much of equity in their home and they're moving from smaller homes to like acreages because they can afford to buy that now with the amount of equity. So that's a, it's, it's a very interesting time to be in. Um, I haven't had anyone come to me about talking about foreclosures. I do get that question from my buyers sometime. Do you think we are going to go into foreclosure? Shall I wait? And then it's you know, as a it's our duty to educate them and say you know probably waiting is not the right time. If foreclosures come, let's buy an investment then, and let's buy you the primary home now.
0: That's good. And so, so Andy, I want to ask you the same question. I mean, how often are you hearing, "Hey, when are the foreclosures coming?" And and what is your response? Because I was watching Andy as a wordsmith, so I was watching your mind as to me was yeah. saying so.
4: Okay. So these are really good questions and something that I want to remind everybody about is every time a house sells, someone buys it. It's a net zero game. So yeah, you guys could talk, everybody could talk about all these people leaving the area, but you know what? Everyone that sells, someone's moving in and we have an inventory problem. So if you don't have an inventory problem, I mean, if you have an inventory problem, that means more people are coming than leaving. So, we have inventory problems, right? We have super low inventory. People are moving to these areas or buying up and things like that. Um, One of the things that I think I talked to Gino Blafari a lot and, you know, head of home services, and he was telling me how some of their projections are incorporating the way COVID has changed the demographics of buyers and sellers. You know, traditionally, baby boom generation, right? Largest increment of our population. They're not selling the way they would normally be selling. They're not moving to retirement communities. They're not going to senior care, right? They're either staying in their house or worse, they're going down and buying a first-time homeowner buying like house. So now they're competing with first-time home buyers and they're not selling their other inventory. So that's created, you know, a, a choke on inventory. Um, so that, that's just something that, I, I, you know, I think is very, people have to understand that, right? So uh, if you're having inventory problem, people aren't leaving. The question that I want to know and maybe David can answer this is basically we saw everything go bonkers. Once the government passes a $3 trillion stimulus package, right? The way I explain it is lots of money went to lots of rich people. There was nowhere to invest it, not oil, not gold. So they threw it in the stock market that goes up. We see everything go bonkers and that's where people are getting all this money. At what point does the other shoe drop? And because you know, government Pelosi, they're talking about another $2 trillion stimulus package. Does, Does it even matter? Does inflation even matter? I'm just curious, like how does that how does it affect us?
1: Well, I think the there's a couple of things there. So if you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago, are we gonna see another stimulus package, regardless of who's elected, I would have probably said yes. You fast forward to today and I go, I don't know. I, so I think there are questions around that. Um, you know, the, the, the enemy, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, mortgage rates, but that is the big question of inflation. And what are we going to see going forward? And, and I certainly don't have a crystal ball to be able to, you know, forecast that, but I can tell you there are a lot of people and we're starting to see an inflection point in the market that I'll talk about in just a second that I think is worth taking a look at uh, relative
4: to what's, you know, what's on the horizon. So just, just, just to finish answering Tom's question, I think so many buyers have this wishful thinking that all these people are in really bad trouble and they're gonna have their houses foreclosed on. And it's not true around here. It's just not true.
0: No, so, yeah. Yeah. we're seeing, you know, it's interesting. You, you have to go market for everyone watching. You have to, I go back to the same thing. If you're not studying the MLS, every single day. If you're not looking at pricing trends, if you're not looking at this community versus that community and really analyzing it when someone says, how's the market or are foreclosures coming, right? You have to be armed with the data. Andy, if I got you on the phone with my clients in Hoboken, New Jersey, or Alicia, if you talked to, you know, one of our clients in New York city, they're now finally seeing transactions at a somewhat typical level. But if you go back to April, May, June, July, I mean, it was a ghost town. And, and the conversation was, everyone's leaving Manhattan. And I'm like, right. not, not everybody, not, not everybody. And, and homes were listed and the inventory did spike there. And now we're seeing it normalize. So Andy, to your point, again, you got to go market by market. So for everybody watching, you got to know your market inside and out. And that's, what's going to give you the confidence. David, I want to show them that, that slide from uh, showing time. And then let's get right into affordability because it's going to answer a little more of Andy's questions, and then we'll keep bouncing through this panel. Yeah. Let, let, let me let me pop
1: this up here real quick. Just an amazing quote that, that our research team found from, from Showing Time. And it makes that point, and it says, market data has always been a powerful tool for real estate, but 2020 marked a new high point for how data was leveraged to encourage Inform decisions and help real estate professionals reinforce their status as market experts. We've been talking about this since, since March, Tom, and you've, you've driven that message. They go on to say, while interpreting data can seem overwhelming, the industry jumped at the opportunity to take advantage of new market data tools to get a true appreciation for how their markets were responding to the pandemic and reduce client fears about its effect on their buying or selling goals. You know, we're, we're seeing it said in multiple places that the difference maker in, 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 in the world, there's so much emotion. There's so many people that are going, well, what about this? What about that? What's going to happen here? That being able to, you know, channel my inner Oracle and say, calm down, sit down, think, plan and act and look at what is happening so that we can give people the best advice possible.
0: So let's let's talk about affordability. Let's talk about mortgages, because that's gonna that's gonna go back to Andy's question and and maybe yeah. open some uh, some different perspectives for people.
1: Yeah. So let's let's hop in there and and have this conversation. You know, uh, our research team brought this information, and when I saw it, I, I just I looked at it. Twelve times this year, on the average thirty year fixed, we broke in a new record for a low. And when you look at that, you just go, wow. It's crazy. I mean, 12 times since they've, since they've kept the records on the average 30-year fix, we've broken that uh, You know, 12 different times. Now, you can never know you're at the bottom until it's in the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to see a shift. And I think you know, as we look at last week, the average rate right now is 2.84 up from 2.78 the, the prior week. So seeing a little bit of an inflection point, I would offer that... That is being driven by talks of vaccine, um, you know, hope, and you know, optimism for the future. Now, I'm not saying that we aren't in a situation right now. We've got a winter to go through and some issues, but most economists are, are, are kind of shouting, hey, there's nothing fundamentally in the economy that has to be fixed that was broken that caused this. Now, we've got issues caused by the pandemic, no doubt. But as good information and positive information comes out, you should start to see the, the markets turn and start to see you know, that, that indicator of rising uh, uh, you know interest rates being a byproduct of that. And I brought in a bank rate quote. It says, rising yields on government bonds reflect new optimism about the U.S. economy. But the trend could bring unwelcome news for mortgage borrowers. Higher rates on 10-year treasury uh, notes generally mean rising rates for Thirty-year mortgages. What's the simplistic word there? An improving economy is going to bring higher rates. Okay, so so higher rates are a, a, a side effect of, of an improving economy. As as there's caution in the market, that's where we see you know rates start to drop and start to st- try to stimulus uh, the you know the housing market, and and we're starting to see a little bit of an inflection point there where you know there was so much of this year that you know, we were like, okay, what's the, what's the next bit of information that's going to come out? You can, you know, contract the coronavirus by, you know, doing something you didn't even know. And now it's like, okay, what's the next bit of good information that's going to come out? You're even seeing that, you know, the first vaccine comes out and it's this effective, the next vaccine's five points better effective. So the market is now looking for, right, what's the next bit of good information uh, that's going to come out. Um, interest rate projections have now been given by Fannie, Freddie, NBA, NAR. Um, David, hold on,
0: hold on one second, I gotta, I gotta interject here. So first, everyone watching live, I wanna know what, I wanna see it in the comments. What are you saying to your clients right now as we go into winter, which historically, transactions will drop, Alicia, between 12 and 18% nationally in the fourth quarter. And yet many of us are feeling like the spring market of 2021 started in September of 2020. Like the the level of, and I'm seeing the head nods, right, Andy? The level of busyness right now going into the holiday season. My question for everybody out there watching is, what are you doing? What is your best strategy to inform and educate and help buyers and sellers right now? Because I don't think we're slowing down at all. But Alicia, I want to turn to you. When you hear all this stuff about, the 10 year treasury and the bond market and things improving. What are you thinking about? How do, how do you, as an agent, position yourselves and your clients to win in this market? And then, Andy, I'm coming to you next, and see me, you also.
2: Well, I think people have a misconception that the rates are going to just stay under three forever, right? Everyone just has this assumption. And I try to repeat, uh, res- like, perspective, I guess, for my clients and let them know, like, now is the time if we can find you a property, but you may have to outbid someone else. So it kind of weighs itself out. So you may get these great low rates. However, you may pay more for your house and sometimes things kind of level itself off. But I, can, I always tell people, I don't have a crystal ball. Like no one, everyone can have predictions but we didn't know this was gonna happen this year. I don't care who, who predicted that, nobody. So I always tell everybody use whatever's going on now. Do you need to be in a house? Do you, is it not working for you? Do you need to make a move? So we make the best decision now for what you and your family need now and what can I help you with now. And don't worry about 10 months from now, a year from now because no one can control all that stuff. All we have is right now to make the best decision for your family. That's just basically what I tell my clients. Love
0: it. Andy, I wanna go a different direction, same question. You hear all this information. Now you're talking to a seller who's like, yeah, but you know, we're thinking about maybe holding off and maybe doing something in January or February. What's your advice? What's your strategy?
4: So what I tell everybody is you really need to know your market. So there's a question I hear on this Facebook. Someone's asking, can you speak about the correlation of unemployment and shadow inventory what, uh, and that may be ready to list? So I remember back in 2009, 2010, yep. everyone kept talking about shadow inventory, shadow inventory. This shadow inventory is going to hit the market and it's going to explode the supply and our markets are going to tank. And it never happened. Like not where I were. I never saw this shadow inventory, right? So, but the question is, you need to know what your market correlates to so i can tell you so like my son and his friends they they always like drop notepads for me when they're in high school and and last summer they all came back they're all like juniors in college now and i was like what do you guys do for majors they're like econ statistics i was like let's do some real work so we dug deep into our mls all the data and we ran correlation analysis against s p 500 interest rates Google stock, Apple stock. And we found that we're 90% correlated with Apple stock in my marketplace at Saratoga, Cupertino, you know that kind of stuff, Santa Clara. So if I'm looking at Google stock or Apple stock and they're spiking, then I know my market's gonna be just fine because you know all my buyers are coming from those uh, companies and their employees and their stocks are doing great and they're making money. And that means my real estate is gonna do well. So what I would advise everybody, there are leading indicators and lagging indicators. A leading indicator for me is Apple stock. A lagging indicator is going to be number of houses selling. So you guys should know what are your leading indicators in your specific marketplaces and how does that translate? How does that correlate to sales?
0: 100%. So great. You answered Eric's question spot on, right? Spot on. So as Apple stock goes, Andy's business goes? Pretty much.
4: Yep, pretty much. And that's also advice that I give my sellers. I say, you're not hedged. People think I've got stock and I've got real estate. Mm-hmm. You're not hedged. You, you have no diversification. You're all in Apple stock if you're in Silicon Valley and you own a house and you work there.
0: Yeah. Simi, do you see the same thing? I mean, you got you know, Amazon and Microsoft and all these huge companies up in your marketplace. What say you?
3: Absolutely, it's the same, right? We have people, the stock is going up and they have more money for payments so the price. Range that they can buy in is increasing. At the same times with the sellers, I, you know, it, I do get the question that historically doesn't the real estate market slow down at this time? And, and think and you know, and I tell them, look at the data. The data is not pointing to that. We are in the lowest inventory right now. So if you put your home on the market, there are buyers that are just going to jump on it and so it, it's the same right I you know as long as I've been in the real estate this year is one of the phenomenal years that we did have that you know when I was looking at David's curve we it shows three months of slowness we probably had 15 days of slowness in Seattle market and then it's just been going up and up and there's so low inventory that any buyer, seller who's willing to bring up. And that's, I think my job is to educate the sellers. It's the right time to sell with the rate of interest so low. And maybe I'm just going to use that slide where it shows that they're going to increase to educate my buyers and sellers more.
0: Yeah, Andy, from a marketing standpoint, you know, we've got a lot of agents out here watching, and a lot of people will be watching this over the next few days. I mean, you're, you are dominating in your marketplace. And there's a lot of good agents in Silicon Valley, but you know, you are clearly the record shows the Wall Street Journal top 1000. You're way up there. What's your best advice right now for marketing to attract more listings, getting the word out to get more listings? What are your thoughts?
4: Well, look, the thing about marketing is it's not going to give you everything you want tomorrow. I mean, the reality is I'm successful because I've been doing it Honestly, you and I had a conversation in 2010 when I was about to get out of the business. And instead of doing that, I doubled down, put all my money in farming the Golden Triangle in Saratoga. And from that two, 3,000 home farm, now I market like 50, 100,000 homes, okay? So you're not gonna get it overnight. I think the marketing that you do, if you're looking for a short-term uh, you know, gain or a short-term response, it has to be poignant. It has to make sense. The one that we've always gone to is the help you know, campaign where we're saying, Hey, we've got a buyer specific. It's real people. It's tangible and that kind of stuff. But what you really want to do is have a long-term vision of how you want your brand, your marketing to go and the value that you're bringing to people and then incorporate that into, you know, short-term pieces that can might generate the phone call. I've got a buyer kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I think all this data is really important, but I think you also want to give the data and then tell people what's the talking point. How can that you know, help me? What's the, you know, tangible thing and what's the action I need to take? So I think, I think, you know, people are scared and, but look at the slides that David just put up. I mean, forbearance is, that's way less than I thought. Right. And we're way below the foreclosure average. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I didn't know that. And so now i am be able to go out with confidence and tell people it's a much stronger market than I thought. And even though I thought it was, you know, based on my correlation with these stocks, even nationally, look, look how low that forbearance and foreclosure is. It's amazing.
0: And if you look at the data and you take it all the way down the line, right, if two-thirds of them continue to make their payments, even though they filed for foreclosure, you're only talking about four months of the average of $206,000. It's a really small percentage, but I want to come to you as a coach and as an agent I want to know, what are you recommending to your clients regarding marketing to their database right now? How do we take this information and educate our customers? Because Andy and I are on the same page. Geographic farming, all the long-term branding stuff, all the trust creation that we've done over the last decade has paid off in droves. But short-term, everybody can reach out to their database. What advice do you have to educate them today?
2: I think just, you know, obviously using the the wide the social media aspect, you can, you know, post, share the, the data, have conversations and, and we're all trying to reach all of our contacts right now, right? To prospect for 2021. This is a great reason to call people and just to say, Hey, I know you're listening to the news and there's crazy stuff going on right now, but just to make sure you understand what the real deal is. And I'm the expert in the market. And I, I know you trust me, right? Because your people trust you, that's your database and I'm 90% referral base. So that's, you know, I go deeper in my database. I'm getting ready to have my big pie function. And so I have these conversations. People come and ask me, you know, I get texts all the time. What's going on? Are we going to be worried? And I tell people, no, I mean, I don't. And honestly, I was just having a thought. And I think why also in the Silicon Valley and Seattle area too, if you're, if we're all shut down and no one's really driving their cars, you're not spending money on gas. You're not really getting your new car. You're not going on the vacation you wanted to go on. You're not, you're at your freaking house. So I know contractors are busy. You can't get a contractor in there. Everybody's putting money into their houses. Everyone's upgrading everything. Everyone's doing that addition. If they don't want to move, there's getting more value into their homes. They're refining because the rates are so low. So they're getting, you know, they're not paying as much towards interest. I'm seeing so much more money being put towards the house and investment in the house. And people are willing to pay more money to have more space, acreage, whatever. So I think what's happening is the budget that we had to do all this other extra stuff is now going towards your home because you have to stay home. So I think what I'm seeing and telling people to do is, you know, you can never, like an investment property is different than your own home, right? Your home is not, an, I always tell people you, your home's not an investment property, it's your house, it's your home. So you need to do what you need to do for yourself to make your home amazing and not, and don't look at it that way. If you're doing for investment, yeah, it's all numbers. So that's kind of the, the advice I give people and not to be afraid and not to go, come out of fear when you're looking for your home and what you need to do. And I don't know if you guys are seeing that too, I can't get contractors to come here, it's ridiculous. So yeah, everyone's booked up. So I think you're, you're, we're gonna see more and more people investing in their homes in general.
0: 2020, no doubt has been, it's like the tale of two. We've got tragedy and triumph, right? Depending upon yeah. where you look and, and, and what part of the country you're in and what part of the world you're in. Yep. David, we're talking a little bit about mortgage rates and I know it kind of leads nicely into the next two slides. I think there's some urgency for everyone out there watching right now. Sure. I think there's some urgency. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you guys with one thought regarding your database. I literally just talked to in the last, let's call it two weeks, nearly 250 of the most successful teams around the country that we're coaching right teams in australia teams in europe u.s canada mexico mexico city cabo san lucas all over the place and the thing that i'm telling everybody is right now you need to be scaling the unscalable you literally need to take and shoot a personal video to every single past client every person you consider a dear friend every person that's ever referred you a piece of business and just say Simi, I'm thinking about you. I hope you and the kids are doing great, right? Congrats on your grandkid, ba, 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 ba. And boom, like that video, stay top of mind because be clear my friends, as, as the world continues to shift and everybody goes to this device, you're gonna lose some business if you're not saying top of mind with the people that matter most, the more immediate opportunities, your database. So David, this slide gives them some reason to communicate with their database because you and I both know of the not 42.1 percent of people that have a mortgage, there's are still. I've heard numbers that as high as 50 percent of everyone that has a mortgage still has an interest rate with a four on it.
1: Right, right. So I, I think that you know we're starting to see projections made about what you know what's coming. What's coming in 2021? We have the first look at it here from Fannie and Freddie, MBA and NAR, and you know you look at it, and anybody that's been in the business for a while is. You don't see rates, you know, skyrocketing up. But certainly, I think the the message out there and what people are going to hear is I hear rates are rising, right? And my guess would even be these were a lot of these were made before we're starting to see this inflection in the market. I think they may be revised up. There's no one you know calling for crazy increase in uh in rates, but again, going back to what we talked about two, eight, two, uh, you know, seven on a 30 year fixed makes three and a half or 4% look high, right? Um, it, it makes people kind of go, whoa, what's what's happening here? And so as we start to turn, expect to see more of those projections coming out saying, hey, rates are gonna rise. And, and I'll, I'll use one quote here uh, from Allie Wolf. She says this affordability will actually work against the housing market in 2021 We've seen home prices have gone up double, digit in, uh, double digits in some markets um, you know, year over year. And at certain point, those, that house appreciation offsets the savings from the mortgage rate. So affordability, we started talking about that a couple of weeks ago, Tom. As we see rates rising, as we see people saying, I'm uncertain right now, but there's that cost of certainty as we move into next year and things will become more you know, certain as good news comes out. Higher rates, certainly projected appreciation by, by experts across the, you know, the spectrum in housing saying, okay, look, you know, prices are gonna appreciate going into next year. So I think the, the message in short is now is the time. Like if you're gonna do something, now is the time to take advantage of those low rates and those prices.
0: Andy, how do we say that and not just come across like a knucklehead salesperson who's trying to get a listing? How do we say- Now is the time. You got to sell. Rates are low. You got to sell now. You got to buy now.
4: Um, okay. So the real way you do it is you need to ask them, why are they selling? Where are they going? Mm-hmm. And you need to show that the investment that they're making out of the, like, I always talk about like, how does this correlate to whatever it is that you're buying? So if somebody is moving up, right. Right you know, maybe, and, and they're doing it in like a market that's you not as hot as ours. I think it's a great time to sell because you're going to take all this equity out of here in a faster-moving market and move it there. It just, it's really just, it's, it, you, you, it's, it's real estate. You're analyzing why are they selling? You know, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to make it, you, what you're trying to do in that situation. You're trying to say the reason why they should sell is because it might not be as good later. And, and, and then and that is what I'll say. I'll say, look, I know we're at an all-time high. I know, right, the stimulus package happened, our, our, everything's going great. And so what I'll say is, look, if we sell now and you get X amount of money, is that enough to, you know, live the lifestyle that you want to live or accomplish your goals that you want? And if it's enough, it's probably it's probably a good time to do that. You know, I have a, um, a dialogue that I do a lot of times. I had a client with a, you know, $4 million house. We got an off-market um, offer for four point one five. Originally, we were gonna go on the market at 399 and the goal is to get to 425 or 43. And I said, look, you're in Vegas. You just cashed out $4.15 million. Do you wanna risk 150 to make 250 or 300? We can totally do it. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of thing I would say in a listing presentation of why you would sell now. Because look, the market's incredible, all time high. Look how much money you've made since you bought it. Do you wanna wait and try to get a little bit more? Or is it enough to make the move and live the lifestyle that you want to live? So that, that's how I would just say.
0: Love it. Simi, same question. What are you saying to the person? You know, because we, we're always in this position of like, you know, I don't want to come across as some just salesperson. Mm-hmm. I'm here to be an educator. And yet it feels like we need to be like standing on the rooftops going, if you've had any thoughts of selling, now is the time. How do we do it?
3: Uh, I think I, I would... Pretty much Hollywood, and he said, you know, that it is a right time to sell. There is so much of equity in your home, you are going to be making a lot of money. And is that enough for you? And you have more buyers in the market, so every home right now sells. If the market doesn't change, even if the prices don't go down, and it does stabilize a little bit, uh, you might not have ten buyers for your home. You might just get two or one to buy your home and so right now let the market drive the price for you and it's a great time for that market to drive and you know i educate them on what are the pros and what are the cons of that and can they buy something in what they are looking for are they looking to get money out of their home if they're just getting looking to get money out of their home it's a great time to do that and again i think every seller is different and every we as our duty is to educate them and make sure that we are working for them and educating them and serving them in the best of our capacity.
0: Yeah. Once again, my friends that are watching, I I cannot emphasize enough the importance of one-on-one hand-to-hand combat, whether it's a text, a video, a personal email, a phone call to every single person in your database. And, And without coming across too salesy, the question is, are you living in your ideal home now? Like with everything going on, are you living in your ideal home with your work life, school life, home life, lived life, holiday life? Are you? Because, you know, as Andy said, we're seeing people moving in and out, but one comes on the market, there seems to be more buyers. There seems to be way more buyers, which David, you could speak to than there is inventory. So David, let's talk a little bit about the snapshot year over year, you know, some market updates as we get near uh, landing this show.
1: Yeah. Let me give you a couple of quick market updates. Again, just, you know, we always want to bring the news and say, okay, this is what's happening nationally. I think you're going to find in different markets, you're going to say that's maybe true in mine. It's not true uh, in another part of the country. So uh, let me give this real quick uh, housing market recovery index. We talked about this, uh, you know, month in month in, uh, out is we've gone through the pandemic's it been uh, created by NARD, demand, supply, price, time on market. We're still above where we started uh, you, you know the downturn back in uh, February-March time frame but seeing a little bit of a a cool off nationally. M- my my thought is there that's probably reflective of some people that say hey look there's a lot of a lot going on with the election a lot on the front end of uh, of November that has caused some pause uh, in some cases. Same thing a little bit in you know traffic relative to uh, to showing time this is a weekly look you know you, you can see there um, what we've been looking at the whole time, the dip down in March and April, and then we've been above, we stay above uh, showings year over year since then, you know, Tom, it goes back to that point on, on the other side of this lockdown, on the other side of, of what's happening, there's going to be so many people that are coming out, uh, and, uh, and looking at homes and that has continued true, uh, throughout the year. You know, the, the, the look at, at the biggest challenge, you know, last, uh, Uh, time we talked we had a look at September but we've got the October national numbers 2.5 months on average uh, of inventory across the country in a lot of markets it's even less than that but this gives you that year look to say okay just to put in visual perspective where we sit relative to uh, to inventory across the country and a severe need for inventory uh, you know in, in many many markets you know uh, Andy mentioned, you know, hey, when when a, when a home goes on the market, it gets purchased in a market. The reality is, is when a home goes on the market, it gets purchased. And a couple other people on average don't get it. You know, there, there, there are so many people that are looking uh, for homes right now that just haven't been able to win a deal. Um, you know, the dashboard of what's happening, we've settled into a market that is above last year, while we see some of these these uh, the, these inflection points that maybe come down a little bit, showings up, applications still up, pending deals, uh, sales still up, and the challenge uh, remains, and it's probably uh, you know the biggest issue we face is inventory. the 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 biggest change since we last talked is uh, is new home inventory is not down. Uh As far as it uh you know has been over the last couple of months, and many people are saying, "Hey, with builder optimism higher than it's ever been that you know builders are out there working hard to bring this inventory back to market so uh, very interesting as we as we start to tail out this year uh you know having gone through the pandemic, having you know everything that we know has happened. uh and uh, and a very a very nice market many many asking and I think you know as we talk and and one of the things we're going to start talking about is can we sustain this momentum that's going to be the question that's popping up you uh you know many of you maybe saw Lawrence Yoon say I feel like homes are appreciating a little bit too fast so questions are starting to bubble up that that you know Tom I know we'll be talking about on on further episodes.
0: So, so David, we covered a lot of ground here and, you know, this amazing panel with terrific insights. I want to end with, with one question and it's not something I've done yet on one of these shows. So, so for the three of you heads up and then David, you and I'll wrap it, is what is the most important advice you have for your fellow real estate agents as they go into, you know, November, December, and then January and in through 2021, Andy, they all want to sell more houses what that could be going from four sales to five sales or a hundred sales to 200 sales. Everybody that's in our community wants to do better. What's the most important advice you would offer someone to have the kind of success they want? It's
4: super, super easy. It goes back to the very first piece of advice you gave me 18 years ago. Three, two, one, every single day, you need to be doing something to create leads three hours of prospecting, three hours of social media, three hours of phone calls, three hours of making letters and mailing them out, set two appointments, go on one appointment every day. I don't care what that appointment is. It doesn't have to, somebody that wants to talk about buying or selling anything, just talk to somebody, right? It's so easy. This business is so easy. It's three hours or four hours or five hours of some kind of lead generation because that's your leading indicator and the lagging indicator of, houses closed, listing signed, money made, it comes no matter what. So yeah, right. I always did open houses and now we're doing mass mailing, right? If you're not doing that every day, you're going to be broken out of business in 60 days. So.
0: Could you get a little more passionate about this, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> and just for, just for context, how many transactions, so the people watching, how many transactions will you and the team do this year?
4: Uh, we're probably going to hit like 300 and we'll probably do probably 600 million i think we're we're, we're coming close on 500 we're, we're we're closing fast like we we're having a phenomenal end of the year so it's really great and so really excited about that
0: so when we do our next numbers update i'll share with you tim smith and his team look like they're going to finish right at 680 million. Oh, oh man oh. see
4: like because at the summit when you went on there and you're like tim smith's got 200 million dollars pending i was like oh come on
0: man <laughs> I was not like, we're right.
4: not going to be able to catch that, but hey, we're doing great. It's all right. Second place is still okay.
0: <laughs> and, and for all my friends out there watching, and, and certainly for the ladies that are, you know, five, five and six years respectively in their careers, remember Andy's been doing this for a long time. So this was not a setup, right? For the two of you.
2: Thanks, it's, Tom. Yeah.
0: perfectly <laughs> <I definitely laughs> understand that here he is 18 years later and he's still saying three, two, one, yep. three hours of something to get clients. Get two appointments, go on one. Even if it's a lousy appointment, it's better than sitting at home by yourself. Yeah. So Simi, I'm gonna to come to you and, and, and Alicia, the pressure's on, you last. Simi, what does someone have to do to make sure that 2021 is truly great for them? What do you recommend?
3: Reach out to all your past clients. This is a great time to reach out to them. You've spoken about so many ways in which we can reach out to them. Prospect, prospect, prospect. <laughs> Again, going back to Andy, and Andy, I'm just going to mark your words. 18 years, I'm only five years into the business, so I want to see what my 18th year would look like. But yes, reach out to your clients, reach out as an educator to your community, be a resource for your community. If they have any questions on real estate, they should think of you. That's your goal. the community, real estate agent, or professional, as I like to call it.
0: All right. Well, you got the pressure as, as client and coach for us. Yeah. What is your so what is, so and, and you do, and do what, what Andy
2: says do. and you do it do what Andy says, do what Simi says. And I'll top that off with, um, I think this came from your summit is what looking at your business, how can you make the buying and selling experience better? Right? So looking at your business now and what are you doing? Looking at each of your deals, what could you have done better to make that experience better and also to celebrate those people and the experience because you're not going to be anywhere without your clients and so i think keeping them in their best interests at heart and being authentic to yourself and what you want your business to be not you know i'm not going to be like andy because that's not the business model i want I, I just don't do the everyone has a different model and it's okay and i coach my clients as what is great for you may not be great for someone else so for agents out there listening you know, don't get overwhelmed. I think when you see someone do that kind of business, you're like, oh my God, I'm not doing that. So I must not, even if I'm doing it 18, 20 years, but everybody has in their mind, that's what's so great about what we do. We're the CEO of our own business. So you decide as an agent for yourself in 2021, what do you want? What do you see for your family? So if that means I only work 50% of the time because I get to spend 50% with more of my family at home, then that's great for you. But I think we all need to make and carve out what's important to us. Apply what Andy says. Apply what Simi says. But at the end of the day, if we're all here to serve people and do right for people, try to make that experience better. That's what I, that's what I say.
0: Simi, I love that. David, closing thoughts. Even though we'll be back back together in two weeks.
1: Yeah, you know, the, there's there's two things on my mind right now. The first is. Um, To you, Tom, and it's Thanksgiving next week and the gratitude in my heart, and I think I reflect the the people that are on this call and that are on Facebook, for being a leader through the pandemic and and, and leading us to say, hey, on the other side of this, we're going to get through. There are a lot of people that said, I don't know if we're going to get through, Mm -hmm. and you did that, and I'm extremely grateful at Keeping Current Matters. We are extremely grateful for you championing the message that we need to know our numbers. We need to know what's happening. We need to know what's going on nationally and locally. Mm-hmm. So so from, from us, know that about you. I'm um, and, and extremely grateful for it. And I'll say what I always say here. Don't let this information die with you today. We're all gonna see people, whether virtually or whatever, and in, you know, in the coming week, um, be the educator. Be the one that out there is the voice of reason in a time where a lot of people have questions. A lot of people go, I don't know if I should do something. I don't know if if, if we should make this move. And, you know, Andy said it great. Hey, hey What are you trying to do? Let us help you make a confident decision uh, is exactly what uh, what all this is designed to do. Yeah,
0: love it. And thank you for those kind words. And, you know, a lot of, lot of love for KCM and for all my clients and, and coach that are here today. So as we wrap up my friends, I know next week in the US is Thanksgiving. So from all of us at Ferry International, 350 strong, we wanna just say, we wish you and yours a wonderful holiday. And my closing piece of advice is, I would say to myself, I've got 43 days. So I'm gonna say, hey, you know what? Christmas and Hanukkah, I'm gonna have this much time off. Thanksgiving, I'm gonna have this much time off. And the balance of the time, I would strongly recommend you think about how you're gonna reach more people, your database, all old leads, And remember, my friends, remember, the hour you spend today shows up 90 days from now. So if you mentally check out during the holidays because you're tired or it was a really, you know, long year, stop being a candy ass because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm okay having February be really bad because I chose not to do those things today. It's a cause and effect world, my friends, right? Don't don't shoot the messenger. It is what it is. So, hey, do the thing, have the power. That would be my closing statement. We'll see you guys next week and on other shows. To my all-star panel, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for carving out time out of your incredibly busy schedules. And David, as always, love to you and the fam and the whole team at KCM. We'll see you guys soon. Get out there and get to work. Talk to you soon.